Welcome, travelers. In this week's episode, discover what are the must-do eats on a Disney cruise. This is Travel Happens, a podcast all about your favorite destinations. I'm your host, Destination Douglas. Think of me as Moraine Sedai, Tyrion Lannister, Gandalf, Mr. Miyagi, and Yoda all rolled into one. I'm your guide through cruising. I hail from the birthplace of America, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, Philadelphia, PA. Joining me today is my good friend, Heather Brookshire. She is an expert when it comes to all things in the world of Disney, specializing in dining. In fact, she is an award-winning sugar artist. Heather lives in the great state of Texas, a country all its own. We both are travel advisors with Reach for the Magic Destinations. Let's face it, you don't want it to occur, but travel happens. We are there to supply advice, guidance, aid, and be your advocate through all the potholes and pitfalls to your destination. Heather, let's get to it. What news do you have for our listeners about Disney and Universal? Thanks, Douglas. Happy to be here. This week in Disney News, the Starbucks at Epcot is going to move from its current location to the creation shop where Mouse Gear used to be located. So for you coffee lovers, there may be a few weeks of downtime in the move, so be sure to plan accordingly. Also in recent news, masks are no longer required to travel on the Skyliner. They will still be optional, so if you feel safer wearing one, go ahead, but they are no longer required. The only places you must require you are required to wear one now is on monorails and buses. I never understood why they were making people wear masks on the Skyliner because it's all about, they, they have the air filtering in through. They've got like windows open. So it, it's all open. Like, what, why do we need to wear a mask? Right. It's so well ventilated. Plus, I think now they're loading more than one party on. Mm-hmm. But for many months, even a whole year after they reopened, it was only one party per car. Right. So. Who 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 am I gonna infect? <laughs> Only someone in your party, my apparently. Family. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? We're probably all infected already. So yeah. Go ahead. Right? Yeah. It was, heck of, it was a heck of a winter. Mm-hmm. All right. In sticking with Epcot news at the Flower and Garden Festival, this year there will be a garden dedicated to Encanto, which will be located between the Morocco and France pavilions. But you want to hurry because it's only going to be there through May 22nd, and the entire uh, festival runs through July 4th. Also, be sure to catch the Extraordinary Orchids Gardens and the Tropical Rainforest Gardens located near Mexico. Ooh, that sounds good. All right, Douglas, what do you have in cruise news? Well, actually, even before I get to cruise news, there's something I discovered about um, uh, Epic Universe. You know, they've uh, issued those artist renderings and in the artist renderings of the park, you clearly can make out a hotel at the very back of the park. And when they, um, tried to get permits issued for all the construction that they're planning, it's supposed to be a 500 room hotel there. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, but besides that hotel that's all the way in the back, they went and asked uh, Orlando 
for more permits for two more hotels just outside of the park. So directly opposite of where the main entrance is going to be, they um, are supposed to have uh, two hotels. Just like how Endless Summer are two hotels that are similar, these are supposedly going to be um, two hotels that have some kind of thematic connection to one another. Um, they're being built by the same uh, construction company that built Endless Summer. Because they oh, have, okay. this, yeah, they have this new process that they use that makes construction go really quickly. So that's good news for um, guests because you know they don't have to wait too long for these hotels to pop up. I believe they'll probably be finished in time for the um, the park to be open because it's supposed to finish construction is supposed to finish right around the time of the um, Kirkman Road extension gets finished at the end of 2024 and the park doesn't open until 2025. Um, but so you've got that hotel at the back of the park and that is you know, in, in their techno speak is Project 910. And uh, that allows for direct access into Epic Universe. And then the new hotel is Project 912. And like I said, it's across the street from Epic Universe, directly in front of the main entrance. Um, so rumors like I said, since um, they use the same contractor as Endless Summer, uh, the contractor is Finfrock, and I hate that name. Isn't that a horrible name? Like, <laughs> it's something else. Very unusual, especially for a contractor. Yeah. Doesn't seem to fit. No. So, um, yeah, that's uh, going on, and uh, Epic Universe is supposed to happen in 2025. So, so what do you what do you think the theme of any of those new hotels is going to be? Well, the permits that they issued seem to indicate there's going to be some kind of space like. Oh, so just like how in Walt Disney World, they opened up that new space 220 restaurant. So I think one possibly it could be some kind of outer space kind of thing. But you never know, because at this point, it's all pretty much conjecture. They just issued, uh, well, applied for permits. And that's all we really, that's all that's definite, is that there's two more hotels. What they're going to be like, we really don't know. Uh, well, that's really good news for guests because then they'll have more more places to decide to stay that's on property, especially with yeah. a new park coming. Yeah. One hotel would be, it'd be very difficult to get into just one hotel, but if there's going to be three, that'll make it much easier to get in. Yeah. And then uh, on top of that, I'm thinking the one that's all the way at towards the back of the park is going to be really pricey because they just walk out the hotel and they're in Epic Universe just like um, some of the international Disney parks where 
you know, they're staying right on, right at the edge of the park. Right. Yeah. That's what I would think too. Yeah. So people get ready to open up your wallets. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas I think this one that's right across the street, um, since Finfrock made Endless Summer, and that's super affordable. What you can get for um, how less that they're charging is really awesome. So I'm hoping that these two new hotels uh, are less expensive. Because yeah, it it sounds like it would be, and yes, the value at uh, in the summer is extraordinary. Uh, I was able to stay there last summer, and it it was um, it was a very nice hotel for the price, especially. I love I love how new I am to podcasting. I'm like shaking my head yes, and like <laughs> people can't hear that. <laughs> That's not going to help anybody. All right, so cruise news. Um, Get your cherry chopstick ready. Katy Perry is ready to take the cruise industry by storm. Yep, she's going to be the godmother to the newest ship being uh, put out by, well, not newest, Norwegian Prima. (laughs) She's going to be the godmother to Norwegian Prima. And... uh, when she blesses and officially names the ship at a christening ceremony in Reykjavik, Iceland, on August 27th, 2022. Afterwards, uh, after the ceremony, Perry's going to perform for attendees. Now, that's all wonderful and good, but I'm not on that inaugural uh, sailing. I'm on the Prima. I've got a reservation for October, but that's two months down the road. And then it, it, I don't get the godmother thing, to be honest with you. Like, I know, I, I know that the Disney ships have godmothers. I wasn't yeah. sure if that was in something industry-wide, especially because, industry-wide. you know, fairy, fairy godmother of, you know, that makes yeah. sense for the Disney brand. Right. Um. So, yeah, that's just really... That's interesting, but that's really fun that they they choose someone um, who's very accessible like that, that, you know, quite a few people are going to enjoy. Um, yeah, it's too bad <laughs> you're not going to be on the inaugural, so you're just going to miss getting to see her. <sighs> Hopefully they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll stream it somewhere so the, the rest of us, you know, peons that can't that's be on the inaugural. It's can... about, yeah, it's all about marketing and press and, you know, getting Katy Perry means that they'll get more press about their new ship. More press means more bookings. Hopefully that's more work for us. (laughs) Let's hope so. Yeah. Um, And then another godmother got announced, Alison Levine, at least that's how I would say her name. Uh, She's a global adventurer, mountaineer, polar explorer, is godmother of the Seabourne Venture set to sail July 22. Um, it's the first of two new ultra-luxury purpose-built expedition vessels uh, set to launch uh, July 2022. This woman makes me feel like the laziest person on earth. (laughs) I edited out all of her, uh, a a whole bunch of her accomplishments, but what... um, (laughs) 
what I did decide to include today is that she earned her MBA from Duke University and worked in the pharmaceutical industry as well as on Wall Street with Goldman Sachs. She worked as deputy finance director for Arnold Schwarzenegger's successful bid to become governor of California and as an adjunct professor in the Department of Behavioral Sciences and Leadership at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. She's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, On the Edge, Leadership Lessons from Mount Everest and Other Extreme Environments. And uh, that, it's crazy. <laughs> That's not where I thought you're, you were going to go when you were talking about her resume. I just, I thought she was going to be, you know, it was going to be or world like traveler or something oh, like okay. that. You know, it's like, whoa, that's, that was yeah, unexpected. I was, I was all prepared for some kind of celebrity, but no, they, they went after some, it's an ex, it makes sense because it's an expedition ship. Right. Uh, you know, most of them, you know, they'll go to the Galapagos Islands or they'll go to Antarctica and that's her, that, that's her bailiwick. That she does. Um, in 2019, she received the Ellis Island Medal of Honor, an award she shares with seven U.S. presidents and numerous Nobel Prize winners. In December 2019, Levine also shared her experiences, insights, and tales of adventure with guests on board the Seaborne Sojourn, which is one of Seaborne's ships, through Seaborne Conversations, the Lines Onboard Enrichment Program. And um, uh, it, uh, like she sounds like some amazing per I would love to hear her speak and so good for Seaborn for grabbing her and making her a godmother yeah that's amazing yeah. um yeah she's she's a perfect fit for that she may not be a household name but she right. has she has quite the resume that is exactly. really impressive um so cruise news item number two valiant lady from uh What's the cruise line? <laughs> oh my God, I'm drawing <laughs> you, tell, you tell me. Virgin Voyages. <laughs> I got it. it. I just had a brain fart. It, they happen. So uh, Valiant Lady starts sailing. Portsmouth, UK. That's where she's sailing out of with calls to Zeebrugge, Brussels, and Bruges, Northern Europe, and the Canaries. Then in May... She sails out of Barcelona for Western Mediterranean during the summer. Plans are uh, in place to refresh the cabins before she starts service. And that's one good thing that Virgin has been about. They've been listening to passengers and uh, really paying attention to what they have to say and adjusting, constantly adjusting. So you're looking at rooms that have a warmer, newer uh, design and uh, more storage space. I know back when they initially uh, debuted the Scarlet Lady, a, a big complaint was, I don't have enough space for all my things. And uh, apparently they've incorporated into more storage into this ship. Item number three, U.S. Virgin Islands. Effective March 7th, travelers who are fully vaccinated in the U.S. can submit proof of vaccination and are no longer required to provide a negative COVID test for entry. Woohoo! So, uh, a lot of 
leeway for people to take, you know, and not have to worry about, oh, if I'm going there, will I have to deal with doing what's called a bubble tour? Do I have to do a ship sponsored tour? No, you could go off wander on your own. So that's awesome. And then uh, item number four, Pride of America from Norwegian has limited dining experiences uh, with the restart. It's a 2100 passenger ship. And because there's less people, uh, they're limiting capacity like most ships are these days. Uh, they're limiting uh, staff. They have reduced staff. So because they don't have the staff to do all the dining that they would ordinarily do, um, they, they're reducing the dining. So you've got these specialty restaurants, Moderno and Teppanyaki, they're not going to be available when it starts to sail. And the main dining room will not be open for breakfast or lunch, which disappoints me because I like a main dining room breakfast myself. Because any time when the buffet gets crowded, I don't do well with large crowds of people. I, no, no, get me out of there. So <laughs> uh, thank you. I'll sit down and you can serve me. That sounds <laughs> much better. Um, however, the cruise line said that guests will be able to grab breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the complimentary Aloha Cafe. So even though things are reduced, you, you, there's always going to be food. You can always eat. You will not go hungry on a cruise ship. That you is like number one rule. On any cruise ship. If you are hungry, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. If you're hungry, it's time to eat again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Item number five, Holland America Line says it's enhancing the pre-boarding guest experience and making embarkation easier by using what it's called M and then bark like a dog, embark. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> so it's a facial recognition. So basically what they're doing is, um, well, I'll get to that later. And then they're using uh, Verifly vaccine verification program in all U.S., Canadian, and European home port ports. Um, so basically, to get on the ship, they scan your face, they scan your QR code, and then off you go. It takes oh, under a minute. Under a minute. And then the long part is walking up the gangway to get onto the ship. That's the long part. So good for Holland America. Anything to get me to my um, adult beverage. <laughs> Great, thank you. Yes, um, yes, please. Because that, that sounds very nice. Streamlines, streamlines that so much. Because yes, that can definitely take a little while when you're onboarding that many passengers. And then item number seven, Australia. Australia is back in service, effective April 17th, according to a joint media statement from the Ministers for Health, Home Affairs and Trade, Tourism and Investment. They're opening up for cruise ships. So they haven't been, cruise ships haven't been 
visiting Australia since March 2020. So oh, it'll wow. be yeah, so it'll be over two years since Australia has gotten any um, cruise tourism. Um, the good news is a company like Princess was really prepared because it take it generally takes like about roughly three months for a ship to get ready to sail once they're given the go-ahead and they're going to be ready they're going to return to service in june 22 so uh they're doing round trip brisbane itinerary itineraries on board coral princess ranging from three to 12 days in length um so that's going on and then um the port of Galveston in Texas, not too far, <laughs> is opening up a third cruise terminal, and it's progressing nicely over at Pier 10, according to port director and CEO Roger Reeves. And uh, this should be a, a game changer because it's creating 400 construction jobs, 400 permanent operation jobs. 1.4 billion in local business services revenue, 5.6 million in state and local taxes. Can you imagine that? Someone's actually paying taxes, unlike uh, Amazon. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> as well as new business development opportunities. Uh, the terminal's construction began in summer 2021 and will be completed in fall 2022. The 68-foot 60, tall, the 68-foot wow. tall building front will be faced with colorful blue panels, vertical accent windows, and the Royal Caribbean Anchor logo. So I'm actually going to be in Galveston in, in October. So that's pretty much the time when they should be wrapping things up because I'm going, I'll be there the very, very end of October. So um, I'll see it. I won't be in it. Can't report on it. Um, I, actually, I don't even know if I'll be able to see it because I don't. I don't know exactly where that terminal is compared to the terminal that I will eventually be using. We'll we'll, we'll find out. And then um, the CDC has lowered their threat level for cruising in general. So they lowered the risk level to two. Like about a month ago, it was at four and then they lowered it to three. Now they just lowered it again to two. So basically what that means is if you are fully vaccinated by the time, by you know, two weeks before you're due to sail out, um, you're good to go, go ahead. The only people who really have any concern would be if they have some comorbidity factors. They're the ones who just would need to be a bit careful. Um, the new warning advises travelers to make sure they are up to date with vaccination before cruise ship travel and to still avoid cruise travel if they are at increased risk for severe illness. Um, so that is wonderful news. And then more wonderful news, well, kind of in, in one uh, area, it's wonderful. The AMA Waterways, AMA meaning love. Uh, oh, AMA Waterways is spreading the love 
to the refugees from the Ukraine who are now ending up in the Netherlands. They have one of their ships that isn't accepting paid passengers yet to house refugees from the Ukraine. So I thought that was wonderful. God bless them. They're working with the Netherlands government and making things happen. I think that's great. Yeah, that's really wonderful. That's a great use of, you know, a property that's not currently in use um, and a really wonderful way to give back to uh, people who are, you know, just reeling from the devastation that's going on over there right now. Yeah. Um, And I'd like to ask our listeners to help us out. If you'd like to support our little podcast, please leave a five-star review. And in future weeks, be on the listen for feedback that we get from people. And here's a hint. If you leave a five-star reading, generally, I'll probably read your review. You could do the review and say we're all crappy and we don't know what we're talking about. As long as you give me five stars. That's all I care about. And you can share our podcast with your favorite social media. All that support is complimentary and won't cost you a dime. So, Heather, what you got for me today? What are we talking about? So today we're going to talk about dining on the Disney magic. I was I was fortunate enough to have been on a recent sailing back in February. It was actually a Marvel Day at Sea. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Um, but here are my top five dishes that I really enjoyed on the cruise. Okay, hit me. All right. So we uh, booked a brunch at Paolo, which is one of the uh, extra dining rooms on the ship. So you do have to pay a little bit extra on top of your um, cruise fare. So it's, um, what do you call those experiences where they're, um, I do believe that's an adult only dining room. Um, but it's a, it's a fancy, uh, a fancy experience and you can do either brunch or dinner. Uh, we actually did have reservations for both, but ended up dropping the dinner later on because we enjoyed the camaraderie of our, our table mates at our normal dinner so much that we decided to stay in the main dining room. All right. So anyways, so the, it's usually a buffet style, uh, venue, but due to COVID right now, they're doing it just off the menu. Um, so they advise you to take one dish out of each section of the menu to really get the full brunch experience. So we did, we followed what they said. Uh, we, mistakes were made because there was a lot of food brought to our table just for myself and my husband. Uh, So we tried to pace ourselves, but before we were even getting to the main entree, we were starting to get a little full. (laughs) And the main entree is really what the star of the whole show was. So we asked our server what the specialty of the house was. And he told us it was the three meat lasagna, which was very, very good. Um, the meat is stewed for something like 24 hours before it's put into the lasagna dish. I've got a question. Is, okay. So is this lasagna a breakfast lasagna or is it like a lasagna I might have at dinner? It's like a lasagna you'd have at dinner. So that's part of the brunch. So we had had like right. an eggs dish and we had a flatbread and a charcuterie plate. Um, you could also get like waffles or French toast, 
other traditional breakfast items, but you kind of like start with breakfast and then move your way down to lunch. So it's a whole sort of experience. And then you have dessert at the end because of course you do. So anyway, so the, the lasagna was actually not my favorite. It was the chicken parmigiana that was absolutely to die for. It was some of the best chicken parmigiana I've ever had. So take what you normally get at, say, Olive Garden and just up it by 10. It was so crispy. The chicken was super juicy. The cheese on top was super fresh. It was fresh cut mozzarella. Oh my gosh. It was just, oh, okay. Now I'm starting to drool. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, it was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Now I've got a question. So for this uh, brunch that you're having, it, is it just a one charge gets you anything on the menu or is it the charge gets you some of the items and up charges even more on others? So it was, it was for the food, it was a flat rate. Um, and then also they off, they gave us, um, Bellini, I think we could have a Bellini or a mimosa uh, uh-huh. was included in that. But if you wanted one of the other alcoholic drinks, then there was an additional charge. Gotcha. All right. So next up on my list, uh, so Cabana's is the buffet style um, kind of quick service location. It's the main. I'm starting to get a a theme going here. Buffets. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of the main place where you can go to get breakfast, lunch, or dinner pretty much all day long. Uh, but the the thing we kept going back for was, all right, so you've heard of Mickey Waffles. That's, of yes. course, you know, a staple anywhere you go at Disney World. You know, it's one of those top items you must have for breakfast. And then especially if you frequent Disneyland, you've heard of churros. Those are also a very big um, snack out uh, out west. So on board this ship, they married the two together in just the most delicious way and gave us Mickey churro waffles. Wow. I was, I was 100% not expecting that. And, um, yeah, that was, that was very, very good. I, I've got a question. Have, have you, uh, I, cause I'm not going to assume anything. Have you had Tonga toast before? Yes, I have had Tonga toast before. So it, uh, and, for our listeners who are unaware of what we're talking about, it's this huge piece of sourdough bread stuffed with um, bananas and then treated like it's uh, French toast and then smothered in cinnamon sugar. Do you think I, I got it right? That's I think so. Yeah, so that sounds... Is this a churro um waffle thing it seems so, like it's analogous to the tonga toast a little bit but it's not stuffed so it's not like as big the the mickey waffles they're the same size as your standard mickey waffle but then okay. i'm guessing they're bathed in like you know butter or something oh, along I'm those sure lines they've got plenty of butter. and then and then dipped in the the cinnamon sugar mix just for that extra delicious coating on top yeah. Okay. 
So I would definitely say go to Cabana's just for the, the Mickey churro waffles. Cause again, I was blown away and that was completely unexpected from, um, from the buffet of, uh, breakfast items. Yeah. So Castaway Key is Disney's private Island. And on this particular sailing, we were fortunate enough to have a double dip, which means that we stopped twice, uh, due to some, uh, other travel restrictions in other countries. So they changed our itinerary kind of at the last minute, but we were very excited to get to go to Castaway Key twice. I so, would be. Yes. So, uh, and we had beautiful weather too. That was, that was just icing on top of the cake because it was, we had great weather on this trip. So anyway, Serenity Bay barbecue is uh, the barbecue at the adults only beach. Um, it is a little hike to get back there to, um, to be able to dine, you have to take two trams to get back there or rent one of the bikes. So the difference between the adults only barbecue and the uh, regular barbecue served on the family beach is that you can get steaks uh, cooked to order. But on this particular day, they were also serving salmon, which was absolutely fabulous. I did not expect for there to be, I mean, we're on a beach, so like... (laughs) It kind of makes sense that there would be fish around, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but the salmon was was very well cooked and it was well seasoned. It was very good. And there were some other offerings. Um, there were a couple of other salads. There were three or four different kinds of salads, like a macaroni salad um, and a potato salad that all had kind of Caribbean uh, spins on them that were also very, uh, very delicious. Okay, that's. Uh, uh... So good that I ate right before we are recording this. That's all I got to say. Okay, what else have you got for me? Okay, that's not fair because I'm not having dinner until after this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I gave you the option. I said, you want to record. I should have said after dinner, darn it. All right. So another favorite of mine, um, up on deck near the pools, there's several little, um, quick service stations that serve anything, uh, um, kind of snacky food. So there was a pizza station and chicken nuggets and ice cream. So all of your usual fare. Uh, but there was also a couple of very interesting stations. Like there was a build your own bowl, um, station that had, um, Asian offerings. So noodles and rice, and then there was a, a shawarma station, oh, which nice. we didn't even know about until the um, Marvel, um, the nighttime show for the, the Marvel Entertainment, the, the our Marvel Day at Sea. They actually mentioned it in the show. And my husband and I looked at each other like, wait, there's shawarma on the ship? <laughs> so the next day we had to go, go looking for it. And sure enough, there's shawarma on the ship. Okay, I'm going to interject here. Here is a travel advisor tip. When you're going on a cruise and it's day one, you're you're getting on the ship, explore that ship. Take your time and find out. You don't want to be that person who on the very last day is like, oh, they've had this all along. If I had only known that. So, yeah. So explore, go take your time and explore. Pretend you are part of a TV camera crew. Oh, that was, that's another news item that I forgot about. Okay, continue. (laughs) Or pretend like you're on a scavenger hunt and you're just trying to figure out what the menus of all the different restaurants are. Yeah, that works. 
Yes. It's a delicious scavenger hunt. All right. So on to my last favorite. So in there's three main dining rooms on board. There's Lumiere's, there's um, Animator's Palette, and there's Rapunzel's Royal Table. Uh, each one uh, obviously has different themed food uh, to each of the dining experiences. And in Lumiere's, which was our first and second nights on this particular sailing, um, of course, inspired by Beauty and the Beast. So there are French offerings. And one of the appetizers was French onion soup, which is one of my favorite soups to have anyways. But this was prepared expertly and it was just, it was delicious. I would say it's as good or better than what I had at Be Our Guest at Magic Kingdom. Very good. Well, now my take on Be Our Guest in the Magic Kingdom is the quality of food has not been uniform throughout its entire run. That the food that you got in the first couple of months was really good. And then the food that you uh, might have gotten um, right before the close down wasn't quite the same level. You know what I'm saying? So which Be Our Guest is it equivalent to? Um, I can't speak to like before, after, not before, after the close down, but, um, you know, when it first opened versus when, um, you know, right before the shutdown. Um, but I will say that dinner for me is the best meal there. Um, the quality of the food is much better at dinner than it is at breakfast or lunch. Gotcha. All right. I think that wraps up what I've got this week in dining news or dining specials very good um so as you were talking i don't know what it was that you were talking reminded me of this but there was a news item that i completely left off and it's probably like the sexiest or juiciest oh my uh item cbs broadcasting network and australian broadcaster network 10 jointly announced that they have ordered localized versions of The Real Love Boat, a reality dating competition series inspired by The Love Boat, the hit 1970s scripted series that used Princess Cruise ships as its setting. Production begins in summer 2022, and both versions are expected to air in the U.S. and Australia later this year. And the real love boat brings singles together to cruise the Mediterranean on a luxury cruise ship while looking for love. Destination dates, challenges, and surprise singles will test the couple's compatibility and chemistry. Like original scripted series, uh, the indispensable crew members, including, uh, they put it in quotes, a captain, <laughs> and uh, quotes again, cruise director uh, will play pivotal roles in the matchmaking and navigation of the romantic and sometimes turbulent waters ahead. Almost After almost a month at sea, only one winning couple will make it to the final port and take home a cash prize plus a once-in-a-lifetime trip courtesy of Princess Cruises, the series' exclusive cruise line partner. That sounds exciting. Might have to tune in for that. Yeah. My take on it is it 
it, it all depends on you and your taste. If you like all these reality dating shows, if you're like a big, I don't know, Temptation Island, Bachelor, Bachelorette person, if like that mindless, sometimes you, you need that. Sometimes you can't watch the movie Contagion because it's just a little too close to what I've just gone through. Sometimes you just need uh, fluff. So uh, if you enjoy that, great. Um, there's a show coming your way. Thank you so much, Heather, for making me drool. I'm currently on an intermittent fasting situation. Oh, it was really rough this morning. I really wanted to eat. I'm like, nope, it's not time yet. <laughs> and you're not helping me at all right now. <laughs> I want all the food. All, all. Oh, uh, sorry. That's okay. Um. So, you know, if someone wanted to book a Disney or Universal vacation, or they wanted a cruise, what they can do is go to the Reach for the Magic Destinations dot com website, and you're there. And yes. I'm there, and a bunch of other great people are there, and we'll help you out. Um, so thank you, dear listener, for spending time with us. Next episode, my co-host will be Amy C., who just came back from a Run Disney event. All right, Heather, that's it. Reach for the magic. Reach for the adventure. Reach for the magic.